it's been on my mind. I don't think I've shared this with you. I usually do it in the reverse talk. But it, it's a way of explaining unbound to people. Um, and it's kind of uh, something the Holy Spirit gave me one time when somebody asked me a question. He says, isn't unbound just like confession or something? I go, and I go, uh, no. And then I go, okay, now what do I say? Um, and, and with the words that the, that the Holy Spirit kind of dropped in my head because I didn't really hadn't thought about it, um, was it's like the other side of confession. If you see like a puzzle piece, you know, uh, one piece has an opening, the other piece kind of fits into it. It's the other side. What happens in confession? Confession, we go to confession and we, we say what we've done wrong and we ask for forgiveness, which is the other side is where we say what's been wrong done to us and we give forgiveness. So it's like the completion. It's the part that we don't have time for in confession, but it's extremely important. And it's part of uh, really what Jesus invites us to from the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, and many times in our, in our lives we, we run across and we've been hurt. We've all been hurt. Some much more than others. Some in different ways, but all our temperaments take it in different ways, and yet it's, it's kind of an amazing grace that, that uh, how we survive. You know, I'll be very honest. I've, in times I've prayed with people, I've just like been just almost dumbfounded by how, how, how well people cope with such incredible trauma. You know, really, I mean, there's people that have so much incredible trauma in their lives, and, and it's like, I don't think I could even... I'd be like a dead fish flopping on the ground. I don't know if I could process that, even handle it. But there's the sign of God's grace and God's love, that, that, and, and really the, the grandeur, the majesty of the human nature, of the human person. Um, you know how much we, we are, God has given us so much to go beyond we can ever imagine. You know, and, and sometimes we have to step back when we get hurt again, um, which happens, happens to all of us. And, and we have to say, did that person, what, did they do it maliciously? I mean, did they really set out? I mean, we may think so sometimes, and maybe sometimes it happens. But for the vast majority of times, it's usually the person hasn't gone out to maliciously hurt us. They were probably hurt themselves, and they're acting out of their own hurt. You know, I, I, I'm sure it's been said many times before, but I have no idea where it popped in my mind a while back. It says, you know, I'm sure it's been said many times. I probably heard it someplace. Hurt people hurt people. And it's a good thing to remember. Hurt people hurt people. And I add another one. And hurt people try to control people so they don't get hurt again. And that might be us. It's probably all of us in some way. I think we all do this. You know, we're all hurt. And sometimes we hurt people because we're hurting. We don't realize it, but that's what's happening. And sometimes it's because well, then we try to control people in situations because we don't want to get hurt. And we don't realize we're doing it subconsciously. You know, one of the beautiful ways that I think Unbound Works kind of popped in my... I ran across this in the wrong book. Um, you know, and I didn't say this, but um, Neil does a great job explaining it, of how Unbound Works says it's not like... Um, it's like a midwife that goes with you. You know, um, they don't... Like the, the, the doctor says, do this, do this, do this. And but the midwife walks with you. For those of us who aren't haven't had a child, may not make too much sense. But um, but I, he has another another uh, uh, analogy that he uses in um, in his book called "Resisting the Devil." 
and this is the Catholic perspective on deliverance. So, if you again, if you thought that it wasn't very, he wasn't very Catholic. Okay, here's the Catholic book. Okay, here's the Catholic form. And he said it this way. He says, although it's very unlikely that you need an exorcism, deliverance from the influence of evil spirits is certainly part of what God has for you. The difference between deliverance and ministry and exorcism, or a style of deliverance ministry that looks like exorcism, is like the difference between a physical therapy and surgery. I thought it was a great example. One has surgery when he has unsuccessfully tried everything else. The surgeon puts the patient to sleep and deals with the problem. He doesn't do it without the patient's consent or help, without careful diagnostic work. And he shouldn't do it unless all else has failed. It is a last resort. On the other hand, deliverance is like physical therapy. In physical therapy, the therapist comes alongside the patient, teaches him, and empowers him to do what he needs to do. It is easier to train a physical therapist <clears throat> than it is to train a surgeon. You know, that's, and, and I think that's kind of a, a bigger picture. You know, um, you didn't go to surgery, you went to a physical therapy. This is like a physical therapy training session, okay? Um, uh, the being prayed with wasn't surgery. Okay, that was you helping yourself with somebody else walking with you. Just like a physical therapist, you go to work and you stretch and you strengthen and you do all the things that strengthen your muscles under someone else's guidance. And that means, guess what? I, I don't know if anybody ever had this before called a thing called a frozen shoulder. I, it's like a big lump of calcium in your shoulder and you can't move your arm anymore because it gets frozen. And, and I went to the doctor and said, well, you can have it operate on and it'll probably work. Or you can do these stretches. It might take about two, three months, and it's really painful, but it'll work too. <laughs> so I did the stretches, and after a long time, intense pain, like, like, like somebody's jabbing a knife in your shoulder, and you keep stretching and stretching and stretching, and all of a sudden, it just goes away. It finally breaks up. You know? um, sometimes that's how we are too. We have to keep stretching into that pain until it breaks through. You know? and, and there's where God's walking with us, um, the uh, divine therapist, so to say. And this is where Unbound is helping us. It, it gives us some tools. And I can't say it once. I say, if I say it once, I need to say it a thousand times. Um, but this is, not, this is not just for here. Okay, this is something you're meant to take into your life. You've got tools now. You've got a toolbox. You've got five tools in your toolbox, five keys. And don't think that it's just here, or that you have to have somebody else in order to do it. As you probably experienced, when you have someone else with you and a team that prays with you, you kind of start to see more than you ever thought you ever would have. You addressed yourself. And that's what, that's what praying with the team really helps. They kind of they give an objective view to kind of help you see what's going on. And maybe, oh, I never thought of that. Or maybe they, and so that's just the Holy Spirit working. That's the Holy Spirit working. But when these things come up, as they will, as you heard in Ann Stevens' talk, you know, she, her trial was maybe a month later. And, and, and one, of our, one of our witnesses last week, last night also, talked about that witness again, is, is, yeah, you'll be tried again. You know, the enemy, he's been kicked out, and he doesn't like to stay out. He's cold outside. He wants to get back inside, you know. And so, yeah, he's going to try and push down the door again. But now you know what it's like. Now you know what it is. You know, many times I've heard people say, I had no idea that was such a burden on me. And I, now I feel light, but now, I, now they understand. And, and that's, if nothing else, if you've experienced that alone, that's tremendous. That you now recognize what the enemy's game or tactic in your life feels like. 
And now you can see the enemy. Realize, oh no, that's him. That beautiful witness last night about shame. I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there again. You know, there was a great response to the enemy trying to get back in. You know, and, and there's where we're at. Is, is, um, that's what Ann Stephen was talking about. And that's what this talk is. Um, the staying free, the battle for the mind. You know, so we continue on. And, and continued freedom requires entering into the battle. Where your freedom will be, will be tested. And that's, that's exactly what she said. And that's, that's going to be part of life. You know, we, we, we don't, we don't, we, we, it'd be nice to be on the top of the big child's slide and just kind of go right into heaven. But we don't get that. There's usually lots of curls and flips and you fall off a few times. And, um, and, and that's kind of, our, kind of our life. But God loves you so much that his plan is bigger than just setting you free. He wants to make you holy. Victorious and an overcomer. God gives the victor the right to sit with him on his throne. Revelation 3.21, I will give the victor the right to sit with me on my throne as I myself first won the victory and sit with my father on his throne. So Revelation 3.21, but notice, you may think, well, that's first of Jesus. No, it's Jesus talking here, talking about the victory he won, and he sits with his father. And he's saying, when you win the victory, you're going to sit with me. What a beautiful thought. You share in the Lord's victory in your identity as a beloved son or daughter. You know, and coming to believe that, you know, it was, um, as I said last night, it was the, uh, um, uh, it was the woman at the uh, uh, um, planned, uh, the uh, life march, life walk in Lincoln. And she talked about how when she came back to the Catholic Church and she had her confession and the priest told her, start saying every day, every day you look in the morning, every morning, every morning you look in the mirror, say, God loves me and I'm forgiven. She said it took months before she started to actually take that into herself, to actually start to believe it. Months every day saying, looking at herself in the mirror and saying, God loves me, or God loves you, however you want to say it, and uh, I'm forgiven because of what she had gone through with her abortion. You know, but, but that's a great, great thing. You know, we, we, are, we have to sometimes, like Chinese water, have to keep dropping and dropping until it finally sinks in. Just as Satan tested Jesus' identity in the wilderness, so you have an adversary who wants to do to rob you. John 10.10 says, A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's what he wants for you. He wants your life to be more abundant. He really does. You know, but, but at the same time, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to take away all the struggles. You know, um, and this may be a little, uh, this is an aside again. But when I do a baptism preparation, I kind of make this little drawing that kind of has the whole reality of Christian life in it. Anyway, one, one, thing, one thing that comes to the very end of it is, is this reality of what we do with his grace, even though we're, we're, we have original sin and the concupiscence and the, the wounds of original sin in our soul. You know, the wounds are, what are they, that we're going to die, we're going to suffer. We don't get along with everybody, and all creation doesn't agree with us either. Cats and dogs run away from us or everything else, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's these basic wounds that are left with us. But what happens is in our faith, in the state of grace, we receive now um, the gifts of faith, hope, and love, and the grace that we receive through the sacraments and prayer. We actually counteract all the weaknesses from original sin, which means in suffering, we persevere. We grow in patience. We grow in humility. In confronting death, we grow in faith, hope, and love. You know, in dealing with people, we grow in humility and patience again, perseverance, long-suffering sometimes. 
So all the wounds left by original sin, our faith and grace of God are meant to actually enable us to become saints by counteracting them through the virtues, through the holy life. And thus, when we die and we go before God, and God can say, because his graces have come, not to force us to do it, but to enlighten us to say, do this. Call grandma. Go drop off us uh, something with your neighbor. To do, the, to do good, to do good and avoid evil. And because they were so subtle of little promptings that God gives to us, we now, and God will say, look, it was your choice to do that. And so you receive the merit. And so when you die, you come before God, God gives you that reward. Because it was your choice in overcoming the battles, in overcoming the wounds, in overcoming the weakness. It was your choice to respond to God's grace, to forgive, to heal, to help others, to love. It was your choice. And look what Jesus can say then. Look, Satan, these little wimpy humans, they kicked your butt. Really, that's what it is. I mean, he's the one that we're fighting against. He's the one who's accusing us. And God gives us the grace, the subtle helps, so that we can, he can then say to him forever, look, look what they did. These weak little humans that you hated so much, they beat you. You know? And so, so the reality of our struggles is that God wants to make you saints. You know, he wants to make you a saint. And so we, we know that we need help. Um, and we need to have his help. But he promises to help us. He promises to help us. Um, I encourage you to remember major points of this chapter. First, that there is no reason to focus on a demon. An evil spirit is nothing compared to Jesus. The only power an evil spirit has is what has been given to him by us, by our parents, or those who had responsibility for us when we were young. God has a plan for our lives. Therefore, whatever opposition a believer faces ultimately serves God's predetermined plan to conform us to the likeness of his Son and advance the gospel. Once the entryway is exposed, taking authority is very simple. The issue is not the evil spirit, his strength, or his name. It's simply the lie, the entryway, and the power of the name of Jesus. Second, keep your eyes focused on Jesus, the deliverer. Just as there is no reason to focus on a demon, there is no reason to become introspective, making an idol of your feelings. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you take control of your thoughts. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, so that, that reality that we're, we're, we are in this battle. Um, but it is God who is more powerful. He is the one who is the victor. Success in the battle requires that you, one, know that there is a battle, know who the enemy is, know where the battle is, remember Anne says in the mind, and know the weapons and tactics of your enemy. Know that the battle could come at any time. Spiritual tactics of the enemy, evil spirits or demons. You know, there's a spiritual talk given by a lady by the name of Jessica Navin. She uh, works for, she's a focus uh, uh, spiritual director, a spiritual formation. And I, I, I took part of her talk. She gave, I asked her if I could, and, and it's, it's really, really good. And so this is kind of a, a, a different part that Anne doesn't have in her talk anyway. What are the tactics of the enemy? Um, first of all, we look at the anatomy of a wound. Okay, um, 
the reality that there is there is a wound, and then it's it's covered by uh, by by um, um, by lies, by lies, by lies about we believe it ourselves, and lies what we we think, and that lies are then covered with with a vow that's meant to protect us from ever getting hurt again. And the vow says, I'll never love again. Or the vow says, I won't do this again. Or the vow says, I'll never trust this again. And, and that's really the wound. That's the wound. You know, they sow, they sow seeds of fear into an individual, all these things, and cause desolation, the spiritual attacks. Um, they cause, the wounds cause people to, to believe lies about themselves and others. So how does a demon or evil spirit attack a human being? Well, they have the ability uh, to control the physical. This doesn't mean that they slash our tires, or, but it means they affect our brains. Um, one, imagination. Two is in memory. Three is in emotions. And four is in intellectual powers. So they can affect all these things. So how, do, how does the evil spirits, how do they, they affect us? How, what's their tactics? One, in the imagination. In the imagination, they do two things. One is place an image in the imagination a person is able to see herself committing a sin or himself and having a positive experience of it, etc. So we can see um, telling this person off or telling this person we're never going to talk to them or telling this person uh, to do this or, or you know, getting, having taken revenge some way. You know, and so, or maybe there's some other kind of sin of pleasure. You know, and so they can place an image that this is going to be so great. We just do this or say this. You know, this is going to be great and you're, you're going to like this. Okay, there's the lie that they put in our imagination. Secondly, is they make associations. Um, the train of thought leads to one thing and another, similarly to daydreaming. Okay, so they, we start someplace, and all of a sudden, our thoughts start to go click, 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 click down the road. And all of a sudden, we end up over here going, oh my goodness, um, is that really where my thoughts are going? And say so they like to lead us along, lead us along the, 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 the dark path, so to say. And so the images and the associations they give to us. Um, when our thoughts kind of start walking along. Secondly is memory. Okay, memory. How do they affect the memory? Well, they call to mind past sins and past wounds so that the person lives in shame. Um, they call to mind past sins and, uh, so that the person lives in shame. But I'd say also past wounds um, so that we live in fear or we live in bondage. They keep calling them back and won't let us let go of them. Because they want us to stay in bondage. Secondly, is is part of the second part of the memory, is they bring up past images of sin, and keep the person enslaved to sin. So they bring up, uh, they call to mind the past sins, but also images of these things also, and to keep us enslaved. Maybe it's lustful thoughts or something else. Uh, next one is emotions. What do they do with emotions? Well, as we heard Anne talking about, um, the red flag waving, waving you know, um, that idea of an of a inappropriate emotional response to a situation. Well, the spirits, the evil spirits, are able to intensify emotions. Okay? They, they can intensify our emotions. We may feel angry, but they may push it to rage. Okay? Um, the evil spirits want, to, want you to feel discouraged. Discouragement is a spiritual attack that many people don't recognize or fight against. The Holy Spirit encourages, the evil spirits discourage. Discouragement is a spiritual attack. Okay? That's something we need to realize. It's just not, oh, I'm all bothered about this. It's like, no, there is, there's usually an attack going on. 
um, they don't waste anything. You know, they're they're very adept at using every every difficult everything in our life to discourage us or to drag us down. And thirdly, the evil spirits um, project their own emotions towards you and others onto you. They hate you because you are a child of God, and they want you to feel hatred for yourself. You know, um, I'll be very honest. I, I did. I've experienced this in different ways. I remember one time going to uh, going to my, my one of my parishes and just had this just this almost debilitating, just gnawing inside my gut. You know. It was just like, what is going on? I, it was hard to even type in the, to work on the bulletin. I'm going, what is this? Like for two days. You know, and I got to my, one of my masses and I came out. And, and here's a family came up and they were in furious. They were furious that I was going to have their daughter go to confirmation in seventh grade. And they refused to let her go to confirmation in seventh grade. And they're so mad at me. I'm going, okay, <laughs> now I know where it came from. <laughs> Okay, and but literally, I was physically experiencing their emotional toward me. I was picking up physically their emotions of hatred and disgust towards me, and I was, all of a sudden it was gone, never came back. You know, and that happened multiple times in different ways. But it's like, yeah, sometimes it becomes so intense, and that's different people, different ways. We all have different kind of antennas. You know, we pick up different stuff. Um, so I may pick it up stronger than others, and some may pick up something else differently. But it was an experience of what that means. It's an example. They, they project their own emotions. Maybe it's d- despising or contempt or hatred or, or anything else. They, they project them onto us also, their emotions, and also others onto us. Okay? And that's a fascinating line that she has here, because you know, I think it's, it's very, very real. And, and fourthly is in the intellectual powers. You know, Jesus says the truth will set you free. And the truth is when what is in my mind conforms to the reality. The truth is when our mind conforms with reality, you know. And sometimes one priest told me in a, in a, in a retreat one time that sometimes faith is reminding ourselves of the truth. What's the truth? That God loves you. What's the truth? You are a beloved son and daughter of God. What's the truth? You know that God allows, does allow evil. But the only reason the catechism says is to bring something greater good out of it. A greater good. You know, and so we realize that sometimes um, after we look back on things, which sometimes it takes decades and years, we go, wow, if it hadn't been for all that pain, I never would have developed this empathy or this compassion or this understanding for someone else's situation that I can now share with them. You know, and so um, the, the, whatever God has allowed in our life, you know, um, he wants to good to come out of it. He wants to bring good out of it. So maybe that's the question. How, how does God want good to come out of this? What's the good that he's trying to bring out of this? What's the good he's inviting me to bring out of this to others? You know, even our wounds, and that's kind of why I've shared the stuff in my life. Because I think God wants me to bring some good out of it. And so that's why I do these retreats. Because of my experiences, I say, well, if you've given it to me, then you must want me to give it away. And so that's what I'm trying to do. So I, that's, my, my, that's my thoughts anyway. Um, the intellect is what judges whether or not something is true. Sin darkens the intellect and weakens the will. There's a classic point. Sin darkens the intellect and weakens the will. 
You know, and so when we've been caught up in sin, and some people uh, remain caught up in sin for a long time, and they just can't see how this can be wrong or this or something, well, that's what happens. Sin darkens the intellect. You know, I, I was teaching that to the uh, to the freshman kids this year. You know, as you're going through Genesis and going through the fall of Adam and Eve, that's what happens. One of the effects of of, of sin is it darkens the intellect and weakens the will. It means it's harder for us to choose good, and we all have to build that habit up by doing it again and again. A wounded and sinful person's judgment is compromised, and they can't judge a thing as it really is. They don't see the truth. And this is what demons attack and influence people and people to choose sin, because they, they know it distorts everything. It's, it's like putting static on the radio uh, or on the TV. It doesn't happen very often anymore, but that's what it's like. Um, and fourthly, the, the evil spirits, the demons, cause confusion through faulty reasoning, the intellectual spin cycle. I know I do this a lot. You know, just like, da, 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 keep going and going. It says, it, just, it doesn't make sense this way. Wait, wait a second. And you never stop. You keep thinking this. Your mind just starts running and going and going and going. All these things you should say or do or, or what's going to happen here or how's it going to take place. And, and just from issue to issue to issue, you know, and, and yeah, it gets like a, it's like a blizzard. It's like a blizzard. Um, the intellectual, intellectual spin cycle. Confusion through faulty reasoning. And that's one of his classic ways. Uh, that evil spirits or demons cloud judgment and compromise a person's intellectual clarity. So that's a big thing they do too. So you can't see things rightly, you know. Um, and that's another tr- another another job, another way they they attack the intellect. Um, and lastly, is perceptions. Oh, there's five areas. I'm sorry, perceptions. Um, the principal effect of love is union, and the evil spirit's goal is to change the perception of those around you to cause disunity. So the principal effect of love is union. The evil spirit's goal is to change the perception of those around you to cause disunity. They can't change your love for a person until they change your image and perception of the person. It's a profound statement, I think. You know, they don't want love. And so how do they do? They make you think, well, this person really rejected you. And this person hates you. And this person really um, really hurt, did, did this to you. And so as they change your perception of the person, no longer do you feel like loving them. No longer do you want to forgive them. No longer do you want to help them. But you want to distance yourself, making separation. And this happens in families a lot. You know, brothers and sisters and cousins or friends or whatever in relationship. Parallel to these things is something I have in a a, uh, handout I have in the back there. It's called the the, uh, Spiritual Discernment Rules of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And I invite you and encourage you to pick those up because there's one of the classic discernment methods uh, that there is. And he goes through the discernments of what uh, desolation and consolation and how that works. And so it really is a, a very profound, I'm not going to go over it, but uh, I really encourage you to take that with you and, um, and to, to read over it, um, to see how the enemy works um, and how, he, how, the, how God wants to work also. Um, how to engage in spiritual warfare in our own lives and the lives of others. Well, the most important way is a life of holiness. Is just living a life of the holiness of sacraments, especially confession. You know, as the the uh, exorcist said, that one can, good confession is worth a hundred exorcisms. Okay, so we've got the the nuclear bomb of the spiritual life is, is the Eucharist and confession. Um, these are the incredible things that can change the world and change our lives. And we have to be patient with them and keep knowing that God doesn't 
doesn't change us instantly, um, just like a seed doesn't become a full-grown plant instantly. It takes entire months upon months. Well, think about how long we live, how much slower it is in our life. And that it's very gradual. God doesn't change us instantly. Sometimes he does, by the grace of God, work a miracle and give us a great relief. And that's awesome. He doesn't always do that, though. Um, he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. So, life of holiness, sacraments, especially confession and holy communion, um, adoration. Um, secondly, is avoid sin. Uh, you know, especially self-reliance. You know, I can do it myself. I don't need anybody. I can do it. I, I'm doing it myself. Trust in God as a spiritual weapon. And Jesus is told St. Faustina, never trust in yourself, but abandon yourself totally to my will. So self-reliance is a big one. It's a big one. We think we can do it ourselves. We think we don't need anybody else or can't ask anybody else for help. You know, secondly is, is avoiding sin, is, is avoiding gossip and murmurs and venting. You know, um, you know, we sometimes, the spiritual say, well, okay, maybe one person once just to get it off your, get it out, get out of you. But we can't, every time we see somebody, we say that over and over and over and over, that, that becomes toxic to us. It really becomes toxic. The more and more we, we vent about it. And, and yes, one time to a spiritual director, one time to a good friend who you can trust and say, I just got to tell somebody this. Okay. Um, but then leave it go there. Leave it there. Um, next one is uh, avoiding sin is, is, is unforgiveness. You know, um, that resistance in our heart to, to forgive someone who's hurt us. You know, and if we can develop the habit of just quickly forgiving, you know, even if it's saying out loud, even if it's saying, you know, uh, I'm sorry, and, or I forgive you, or whatever. But it's just the more, the more quickly it becomes part of our hab- habitual thinking, it becomes a habit. And a, habit is a, ver- a good habit is called a virtue. Um, and that's really the, the key to holiness. Striving for custody of the mind. Whatever is true, Philippians says, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. So how do we, what do we fill our minds with? You know, what do we fill our minds with? Um, the huge battle where it goes, where, where Ann Stevens talked about, that's where it all starts. Um, revealing thoughts and temptations and confession. The enemy acts like a licentious lover and doesn't want his advances revealed. Okay, St. Ignatius says that. And so, um, so when you go to confession, you can also reveal what your thinkings have been going on. Where the, where the, that's kind of like the seed of, 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 the, of sin, is our thoughts, our ponderings. Okay? Were they negative about this? Were they about this? You know, where, where are our thoughts at? You know, um, and temptations. Those things are great to bring out in confession because it shines the light of Christ upon those areas of your life. And remember in confession that God promises you grace to help you in those areas that you confess. But if you don't confess them, um, you said, I don't want any help in that area, God. So the more you pour out, the more you're saying, I want your help everywhere, Jesus. Renounce lies and fears and negative emotions in the name of Jesus, you know. And that's really relating to the five keys. But also realize that the five keys don't skip the keys. Our tendency is, and I know my own life also, is just jump right to renounce. We all like that one. (laughs) Renounce them. And, you know, and hopefully we get to command um, that we forget about the Father's blessing. Or we forget about repenting and we forget about forgiving, um, you know, and, and claiming faith. You know, so so don't miss the other keys. Don't forget about the other keys. Stand up to the enemy and he will take flight. You know, scripture says that, you know, we resist him and he'll fly. You know, the enemy I like to describe sometimes is like a bully. It's like a bully, you know, um, and different saints will speak this way, too. You know, what do you how do you what do you do with the bully? You stand up to them, you know, um, you, 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 you punch them back, you know, and then they don't come around anymore. 
Because once you stand up to them, they, they're afraid of you. Because ultimately, a bully is very insecure. And they, wanted, they, they don't want to they don't wanna do a put of a battle. They want to intimidate somebody to make them feel good. Well, that's what the enemy does, too. Um, it's a punching back. You know? And how do you do that? Well, by doing the very opposite of what he wants you to do. You know, I use this story different times. But uh, I learned this lesson in college. And I remember in college, I was in, I was in, uh, had a couple, a couple, maybe three, four times, maybe three times maybe it happened. But I remember, um, you know, I had gone out on a Saturday night and, you know, I didn't do anything crazy, maybe had a few. Um, and all of a sudden, the Sunday morning, I just feel sick, just feel like I'm going to throw up. And it's like, man, I missed the first mass and I missed the second mass. And it comes the third mass at the Newman Center. I'm going, oh, what should I do? I just don't know if I can make it or not. I don't think I should go. And then I just go, ah, who cares? If I throw up, I'll clean it up. <laughs> And so I went. And three times it happened. I went there and I snuck into the back pew after Mass had started. Um, and I knelt down. And the instant I knelt down, it was gone. Completely gone. Never felt anything after that. Three times. You know? And I realized, wait a second. This isn't me. This is the enemy trying to not to go to church. So then I feel guilty. It makes it hard to go to church next time. Because I have to go to confession again. Because I want to go to communion. And then I skip that. And, and they'll... This, the whole rule is now down. So, like I said, the, the, he doesn't play fair. The enemy doesn't play fair. Um, but the reality is, is we can, we can win when we just resist it. Resist it. Um, as the scripture says, resist him and the enemy will flee. Um, ask God to show you where you are weak. You know, pray for the virtue you need. The enemy examines our defense and attacks us where we're weakest. St. Ignatius says that. You know, so there's the great way of just looking at it. You know, it's like a tactical, like a general in the army, okay? Where's our, where's our defenses strong? And where's the, op- uh, where's the enemy attacking at? And, okay, I've got to build up defenses there, you know? So it's becoming kind of tactical, looking at our life and kind of setting back, going, okay, where's the, where's the battle at? Where's the battle at? And how do I strengthen myself in that area? Don't be disturbed if a demon or evil spirit or temptation shows up again after you renounce it. This means that God is allowing you to fight this demon to grow in virtue, to become a saint, because he wants to give you the crown of glory in heaven that will come from defeating the enemy. You can even ask God to make the the evil spirit consider that it is the cause of your growing in holiness. I went by the priest, uh, um, gave us a priest retreat. I I mentioned him already, Father Haggerty. um, And he said one time, he says, you know, if you're being attacked, he says, offer this up for a soul somewhere in the world who is dying right now, and if they died right now, would, would suffer eternal damnation for their conversion. Offer this up right now for someone who's dying somewhere in the world and whose soul is in danger of immortal loss. And from my experience, the enemy leaves instantly within a, within a very, very short moment because he doesn't want somebody to be saved. And so rather than picking on you, and getting that person saved, uh, he's out of there. You know, so um, that really has been a, a, a great prayer. And he, 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 he speaks about it in his book, Conversion, also. You know, um, is offer this up. You know, that's the old Catholic thing, right? Offer it up. <laughs> okay. So, but offer it up for somebody who is, needs it right now. For the moment before they die. So that their soul receive the grace of conversion right there. Wherever they may be. When the battle comes, respond as a growing child of God. Refuse to be discouraged. 
And the beautiful line of, of, of Anne Stevens was, you know, I am not rejected by God because of what is happening. Just because something's bad is happening doesn't mean, or something struggle is happening, or maybe the same weakness that we renounced is, is happening again, doesn't mean you've been rejected by God. I underline that and made it in big capital letters. I am not rejected by God because of what's happening. Often tests come through circumstances that provoke us. God will set you free again and again and again. Give yourself time to understand what God has done in your life. You know, um, you know sometimes I've heard people writing a, a thank you litany. They starting writing thank you. One person was told to write a page every day of what they're thankful for. You know, and they fill up tablets of, of, of things, you know. Um, but being thankful, you know, being thankful. What God has done. Acknowledge what he's done in your life. You know, sometimes, and I struggle with this too, is, is you know, um, I had a beautiful story. Someone just reminded me um, outside of how thankful I should be that I've got two legs and two arms and that I'm alive. You know, um, that because of what the, the many actions I've been in, I could be, I could have been pushing daisies a long time ago. But thank goodness I'm not. Give yourself time to understand what God has done for you. Remember your identity regardless of the circumstances. Who you are. The beloved son, daughter of God. God will not abandon you when trials come. It's key. He will not abandon you when trials come. Okay? That's a huge, huge point. Um, he's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to let you go and just be, do it on your own. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to fight everything on your own. He will be there with you. As I said, he's not going to take over all of it. He may sometimes because he knows how weak we are. Um, but a lot of times he wants us to win the battle. So he's going to walk with us. Know that your battle is fought in your heart, your mind, and your thoughts. I urge you, therefore, brothers, in my, the mercies of God, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what, is, what the will of God what is good and pleasing and perfect. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Spirits are liars. You know, they're all liars. That's what we said before, 844 of John. And they come to, into the house of our mind and sit down and make themselves at home, as like Anne was talking about. And soon they think that their home is their home, and they think they're part of the family. And, and she made a great line there also. She talked about how, you know, sometimes we, we think that, gosh, what do I do without them, you know? And I think it's a great, and it's, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but you know what? I think that's a reality for, some, for us sometimes. What would I do without this anger? What would I ever do without this revenge desire for? What would I ever do without this, without this, this attitude that I have of, of this or that, you know? And we think, well, how could I live without that, you know? And, and, and I think that happens sometimes. Um, your mind is being a beginning point of vice and virtue. And fill your mind with the things of God and his kingdom. You know, seek to have your mind transformed. You know, even if it's just listening to uh, Catholic radio or listening to Christian radio music, you know, um, I think sometimes we need those very simple, those simple um, charismatic statements that we hear. God loves you. God wants to forgive you. God's always there for you. And a lot of the Christian music is very simple. It's just very, very simple, repeated over and over again. I think that's why the kids like it so much. You know, you don't have, it's, it's, it's right there. You don't have a whole story like we have in our old hymns. You know, it takes us five verses to get the whole story. You know, <laughs> but I think I think it's a little simpler. So seek to have your mind transformed. No longer live in the futility of your thinking. Ephesians four seventeen. There's a clear connection between your mind and your desires. You know, 
Um, as you are renewed in the spirit of your mind, you will learn to desire the things of God, the heart of the Father. You know, and so that's where the mind starts to change. And with it changes our desires. You know, um, so as our thinking changes, our desires change also. You know, sometimes we have to battle. Um, sometimes the battle comes in different ways, uh, different struggles and trials and temptations. And one thing a very holy uh, psychologist told me one time, she said, she says, you know what? When your body moves, your mind moves. Go for a walk. If you're struggling with something, go for get out of this, get a new place. You have new stimuli in your visual, all of a sudden your thoughts change. You don't even notice it. When your body moves, your mind moves. You know, go for a walk. Get out of the house. Walk out, go out to the hallway. Go to the water fountain. There's no clear connection between your mind and your desire. There is clear, okay? Are you, um, the Holy Spirit alone transforms minds, but you can open and shut the door, the analogy of the house that she spoke of. God calls out your new self um, by restoring your true identity, but who you are. And so we are, we're growing in that, okay? It isn't just kind of like turn a page. It's like write a page. <laughs> it takes a little while. And so that reoccurring, that re, re, reminding ourselves of, of who we are, um, that we are beloved daughter and son of God, um, is, is, takes a little time because it may be something we've never thought of before. And that, that ability then starts to kind of seep in, kind of like the water seeps in the ground, the sun gradually warms the soil. So it is with the truth. The truth kind of gradually enters into us. Um, but we have to keep holding on to it and reinforcing it with ourselves because otherwise it's just not a once and done kind of thing. Um, it, it's really kind of a, a gradual transformation by God's grace. You are given an intimate experience of God, your Father, and his love. You know, um, That's the beautiful thing of, of really encountering God is, is when we do finally realize that he's, he's love. You know, One of the things that um, Jesus said in St. Faustina's diary is he said, um, early in, the, in, the, in their diary anyway, it was one of the couple lines that I never haven't forgotten, read them a few years ago. And it was said, said you know, what hurts him or what he struggle with, what hurts him, he says, is that so few people believe in his goodness. You know, we don't believe in God's goodness. And I thought about that. Why is it so hard to trust in God? To really trust him with our life? Well, if we don't believe God is good, and we don't believe that God is love, or that God is good, how can we trust him? I mean, would you ask somebody to go get groceries for you if they, you know they probably would never come back? Or they may only get half of them? <laughs> you know, your husband probably learned, okay, make sure you get everything on the list. Okay, um, but that same reality is, you know, maybe we don't believe in God's goodness, and so we find it hard to trust in Him. You know, and, and so if you, how can you trust someone you don't think is good? You know, and, and that's where Jesus said that, like a little light went off, going, "Wow, you know, that's a pretty powerful point." Um, ref, if by freeing you to live re- reflectively, you know, one Peter says, "Therefore, gird your loins." Which well, he talked about this. I'm going to go on that. Skip this. Okay, uh, reflection. But another point she made was great. Reflection is not the same as introspection, but is being aware of what's already hidden to the surface of your consciousness. Okay, reflection is taking what God raises up. When you're reading the book, okay, things came up. Those are things for reflection. Okay, but to, she said, don't go digging through your your life looking for things to try and fix. Allow it to come up. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you mean to work on? Holy Spirit, what do, you, what do you want to bring to my life? You know, where do I need your grace? Um, Holy Spirit, what do you want to heal? God, what do you want to heal me of? You know, and let him bring it up. Let him bring it up. Lack of reflection enables Satan to set up his schemes in, in your life by exposing his strongholds in your life, okay? Uh, we need to recognize that, that his, his deception causes fatigue and confusion in our life. 
Um, and, you know, there was a, there's a song I, I remember used to hear um, on the radio. Or, Man, I got Well, this is old times. This is like a tape, okay? So this is like, <laughs> nobody even knows those are anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a great song with this guy singing, you know, when, you, when you're going through hell, don't stop. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> you know? When you're going through hell, it's a great song. I can still sing it, but it was, it's, kind of, it's got kind of like a Jamaican accent, you know. I won't do it. I'm tempted, but I won't. But, uh, and it's a great line, you know. It should be a bumper sticker. When you're going through hell, don't stop. <clears throat> um, do, you, do you prefer darkness rather than the humbling task of looking at yourself, you know? Um, and it's a great point. You know, sometimes it's just easier just to sit and wallow in our darkness than actually try and look at what's happening? Do you prefer to blame others rather than recognize your own part? You know, <clears throat> it's not easier to say it's always their fault and I didn't do anything wrong. It's what they did everything wrong and they hurt me and they did this. And, and what about me? You know, what about me? <clears throat> what have I done also? Are there patterns that, that have been established over time, such as that long habits or lies that you believe and are vulnerable? <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, um, over time, we, we hold on to things, and we don't even notice them. We don't even notice them. And so we're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit, you know, where are the lies in my life, Holy Spirit? And then the Holy Spirit wants to help us, you know, but we have to very, he doesn't rush, he doesn't push himself on us. The Holy Spirit is the gent, most gentle of gentlemen. We have to invite him, sometimes multiple times, for him to come and to help us, to enlighten us. Always stop for red flag waving, as we heard this morning. Um, such as long-held patterns of disproportionate responses and often emotional. Half the battle just recognizing what's going on. So and she made a great point, and that's why I kind of waited till we got, I was looking for that, um, that, that story of Toodles, you know, um, a great little story of the red flag rate for waving, you know, always stop for, and recognize what are your emotion, things that you respond disproportionately uh, to emotional things. You know, what are those? You recognize what those are. That's a great, great advice. We have powerful weapons. Um, although we are in the flesh, Second Corinthians, we do not battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our battle are not of flesh, but are enormously powerful, capable of destroying fortresses. We destroy arguments and every pretension raising itself against the knowledge of God and, and take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. And we are ready to punish every disobedience once your obedience is complete. You know, so there's the, the, the great power that we have um, uh, from God's word. Um, Jesus is the truth who sets you free, and, and all truth sets us free. You know, the truth is really what our hearts yearn for. Um, it's, it's the knowledge that you are God's son and daughter. Daily prayer is so important. You know, we have to start, we have to make, maintain that relationship of speaking to him, of listening to God. Remember my spiritual director told me one time, he says, monologue is not prayer. I still struggle with that. <laughs> really? <laughs> Monologue is not prayer, you know, um, just like any conversation. Think about any relationship. How long would that relationship last if you were the only one who spoke? How before you stop calling them, stop inviting them over, they come over, have a cup of coffee, and never speak anything. How many times do you do that? <laughs> okay. Monologue is not prayer, you know, and so that means we have to listen. We have to believe that God wants to speak to our hearts. Maybe it's through scripture. Maybe it's through a song. Maybe it's through nature. Maybe it's through a person. Maybe it's in our own heart. He wants to give you the words coming forth from your own heart. St. Thomas Aquinas says that's possible too. Daily scripture readings, journaling, you know, talking about what God's doing in our life, you know. Um, 
We're talking about talking to God. Maybe that's how we talk to God, is in journaling. Daily scripture readings. Read and a little back, the few, back in the, the shelf back there is a little thing called, it's a little bookmark called Lexio Divina. Father Eikhoff, when he was head of the evangelization committee or the family life office, put these together about 10 years ago. So I wrote, typed them up because then they had no more left. But it's a very simple little five-step form of how to pray the Gospels, how to pray the Scripture, called Lexio Divina. And I encourage you to grab one of those back there also. Um, doing the adoration for the Blessed Sacrament. Going to weekly Mass, or daily Mass if possible. Um, uh, go to monthly or, or bi-monthly confession. You know, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. The, uh, silent for a half an hour. And just being silent with God and looking at Him with love. Um, just letting Him hear your heart. Letting him uh, be there. And he beautifully in the, in the uh, book of Sinuiesu talks about how he just says, just come to me. Come to me and give me your heart. Let me give me the ear of your heart and all of your concerns and, and perplexes you. And I will give you light. You know, and, and that's what he asked for. He, he will give us light for where to, where to go. Um, pray the rosary. You know, what a great, great um, prayer. You know, and, and I, I share this with you. Um, one was with the, uh, the different... Um, um, intentions after the word Jesus. You know, it's a great way of bringing the mystery back in. Every, every Hail Mary, bring the mystery in. And you go, okay, yeah, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. Oh, yeah, that's what, Jesus. Um, and, but I love the ones, sometimes I change it for myself on, on, on Fridays. You know, Jesus who carried the cross, and I make it personal for me, who was scourged for me, who was crucified for me. You know, if you want to make the, the stations or the, uh, the uh, rosary come alive on Fridays, Say it with that little phrase, for me. He did this for me. And you say it ten times, each, each one, and it starts to sink in. Because sometimes our hearts are like that hard path, you know, that Jesus talks about, where the enemy takes it right away, never sinks in. Um, become familiar with the Ignatian rules, as I have in back. You know, the Ignatian rules of, of discernment back there, those are great. Um, really, there's, it's like a three-legged stool. Ignatian spirituality, it says, I would become aware, understand, and act. And so it gives you tools for acting. But now you've got some more tools to act, which are the five keys. Um, the ministry guidebook also. You know, these are great ways to help and to react to those things. Another thing I recommend strongly is Be Healed by Dr. Bob Shooks, the book that he has. He has a second book called Transformation by the Sacraments, um, Being Transformed, I think it's called. Um, and it really is the, the seven wounds that we receive in original sin um, uh, and the seven sacraments, how they heal them. That's his second book. You know, the first one's about the seven wounds. The next one's about the seven sacraments that heal the seven wounds. You know, and it's really pretty profound, actually, what it is. I know they have a, if you're in Lincoln, they have a, a, a large group over at St. Peter's starting to go through this. Maybe you could jump in to join their groups also, perhaps. Living the light, um, sharing honesty with others in small communities. Um, be, be involved in, in Christian community. That's extremely important to help you grow and keep going. That's a very, very large point. And, and Neil in his conference will emphasize that um, many, many times. The five keys, you know, uh, speaking out loud is a very powerful way to dispel the lie. Often lies run through our mind like a tape recorder, um, but when brought into light, speaking out loud, we can hear it, what they really are. Um, you didn't hear it, but uh, Ann Stevens has a great example of when she's, she was one time, she was, she was um, in her basement doing laundry, and she says, nobody ever helps me, and nobody ever helps me. And then she finally started, start, started saying out loud, and she goes, well, that's crazy. He says, my husband always helps. My kids help, you know. And, but it was once to get it out loud, um, the lie is harder to hold up in the light. Just saying it out loud. What's going through our minds sometimes. You know, it's a great, great way of doing that. You know what? We've done a lot. I'm going to close with a, with a little story. I'm going to have one little a witness. 
Um, we'll do this. We'll kind of close with this prayer. The only Jesus can as our closing prayer. But there's also a beautiful prayer of abandonment prayer in back also. Um, and that's a beautiful prayer to kind of uh, really kind of deeply kind of transforms our, our, our way we see the Father also. Um, I want to share with you a little story. I ask you to look kind of with a, with a parent's heart, okay? With a parent's heart. You know, um, and it, it's, it's, uh, it's the reality kind of reflecting on this Jesus, only Jesus can also. I can't. A little boy tries to carry a big bucket of water to the animals on the farm. He struggles and can't lift it high enough not to spill the water. In humiliation, he finally goes to his dad and admits, in embarrassment and tears, Dad, I can't lift the water bucket. His dad smiles and says, sure you can. And they walk back over the bucket by the hydrant. His dad says, give it a try. And as the little boy puts his hand on the handle, his dad grabs it too and lifts it with him. And they walk together to water the animals. You know, it's, it's that reality in our life that um, maybe we think we can't do it. Maybe we think we can't carry this. Maybe we think we can't really go through this or heal this. Well, the point is, is you don't have to do it yourself. God the Father is willing to help pick up the bucket with you. It's not until we humbly admit our weakness, we become vulnerable, that our Heavenly Father can help us with His strength. And His strength is perfected in our weakness because He wants to use His strength only if we let Him use it through us. Recognize the thoughts that are from Him. Remember and realize that Christ dwells in me. Choose to live in freedom. Claim the Father's blessing. Remember you are a beloved son and daughter of God. And so... um, Let's pray the uh, Only Jesus Can prayer together. Only Jesus can change a heart of stone. Only Jesus can heal. Only Jesus can bring peace. Only Jesus can give peace. Only Jesus can heal a broken heart. Only Jesus can love us in our sinfulness. Only Jesus give the grace to forgive. Only Jesus can show us the Father. Only Jesus can take away our fears. Only Jesus can do the impossible. Only Jesus can save me. Only Jesus can protect me. Only Jesus can set me free. Only Jesus can heal my heart. Only Jesus can help me forgive. Only Jesus can fill me with love. Only Jesus can lead me to the Father. Only Jesus can strengthen me. Only Jesus can make me whole. Only Jesus can forgive my sins. Only Jesus can love me forever. Only Jesus can heal and forgive us. Only Jesus can give us lasting peace. And so as it close, um, I ask you all to stand up. Well, the ladies go first. And... This is something, a little phrase um, that I think we need to hold in our hearts. You know, one of those ones that we need to kind of hold on to. And I'll, I'll say it, and I'll actually repeat it after me, okay? God is my loving Father. And I am His beloved daughter. Forever. One more time. God is my loving Father. And I am His beloved daughter. Forever. Forever. And now, men, together. God is my loving Father. Father. 
and I am his beloved son forever. One more time. God is my loving father, and I am his beloved son forever.